0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this late Thursday afternoon, the 24th of September. The year is 2020. This is Scoop Podcast Episode... 315. Let me get to a couple quick notes, then we'll get to some conversations. I want to get to my son's baseball practice, so a little under the gum, but I think I'll bring you enough information for you to dive into and dissect and enjoy. Let me start with something that came up on the Mackey and Judge show earlier today. I read a text, or I paraphrased a text I got from an NBA agent. This agent represents a high-profile Draft prospect. So I was curious. I reached out to this individual. Just curious if the Wolves have interviewed his client. The answer is no, at least to date. He then, unsolicited to me, said he ran into somebody, a player that knows Carl Anthony Towns incredibly well, ran into him the other day and said the idea was that Carl Anthony Towns wants out. Now, he doesn't want out right now. Let me lay that out as succinctly as possible. Possible. nothing is even close to being reality when it comes to carl anthony towns asking the wolves to move him it's a topic we've talked about months i think the first time it was broached was when anthony davis got his way and he got out of new orleans ended up with the la lakers the clock is ticking on carl anthony towns he is now into that massive extension so the clock is ticking I think at some point he wants to win and wants to win at a high level. I know that there's all sorts of debate about his competitiveness, you know, the defense. Does he really want to win? Is he really willing to invest in all assets of of ensuring that his team has the best chance to compete at a very high level? I get all that, but I do sense that he does want to win, and he wants to win as the alpha dog. The Wolves, to their credit, have laid out the red carpet. They have done so much for Carl Anthony Towns. They are catering to his every want and need. Heck, if you asked Jimmy Butler, Jimmy would say, why? You know, treat him the way you treat everybody else. Why are you catering to his every want and need? But that's another topic. But the Wolves, right or wrong, have done just about everything imaginable to empower Cat to do what he wants, that, that he has a lot of say in the way a lot of things are are run at Mayo Clinic Square. I just think the next year is big. I guess the headline of this 3-minute diatribe would be that the next year is big. That the draft is big with picks 117 and 33. They have the mid-level exception. What trade possibilities end up presenting themselves? You know, can they maybe eventually trade for a superstar, a Bradley Beal, a Ben Simmons? You know, I don't know if those teams, Philadelphia and Washington are moving their stars. Right now, but would they move them maybe at the trade deadline next year? So, you know, then you look at that number one pick. Maybe you stay at number one, take a guy, but eventually the idea is to move that guy. But I think the idea would be you need to hit on that guy so that guy can be the feature player of a big time package to bring back a third superstar. So the clock is ticking. The Wolves need to make moves. They need to do a lot to elevate to the upper half of the Western Conference, the upper. You know, top whatever, five, six, seven, certainly the top eight to at least make the playoffs again. Oh, by the way, Carl Anthony Towns' one appearance in the playoffs didn't go so well. So he wants to redeem himself in that regard. So I just think it's worth monitoring his situation. This agent has nothing to gain. I promise. There is nothing for this agent to gain telling me that information. I can tell you that that chatter has been out there for a while. Like, that's not the first time I've heard something along those lines. It might be the first time. That I've brought it up because it just it hit me that hey maybe I should bring it up but it's a talker that's what we do here on the podcast on the radio you know we throw out different talking points and we debate whether there's legitimacy or not I'm just telling you at this point there's nothing legitimate about it but the chatter is out there to suggest that people in the league are not wondering about Carl Anthony Towns' future does he want to be here long term That chatter is absolutely positively out there. Make no mistake about that. So I guess what I'm getting at is let's see what takes place over the next year. This would be an interesting conversation to circle back to one year from now, late September 2021. What situation are the Wolves in? What situation is Carl Anthony Towns in? In terms of Cat doing anything in the bubble, I'm not quite sure he's going to be very active You know, when when it comes to scrimmages, scrimmages ramp up on Monday. Same with Malik Beasley, restricted free agent. There's no reason for him to put his body on the line. But the Wolves, the public relations staff, did send out a list of guys that are in the bubble. And both those guys were on the list. Omari Spellman not on the list. He has a newborn. He's working out on his own. It's an unwritten but mutual understanding that the Wolves are going to work to move Spellman before the start of next season. So he chose to, to not come to the bubble. And Juancho Hernan Gomez committed to filming this Adam Sandler movie out in Philadelphia. He committed to that before knowing the dates of, of this mini camp. So he's out there. But he was in town most of the summer. He worked out with Jake Lehman with local trainer Reed Osi. Like Hernan Gomez was here a bunch of the summer working out also at Mayo Clinic Square. The idea is for Hernan Gomez to be here to, to re-sign this summer even though he is a restricted free agent. So I would not worry about Hernan Gomez not being here. But even if he was here, much like Beasley is a restricted free agent, there is no reason to put your body on the line during this voluntary mini camp. The Wolves continue to do a bunch of draft interviews in no particular order. Some draft prospects they've interviewed in recent weeks that I have not mentioned previously. Alabama point guard Kira Lewis, Jr., Paul Reed of DePaul, Jalen Smith of Maryland. Trey Jones, Apple Valley's Trey Jones, interviewed on Monday. Former Gopher Daniel Oturu interviewed on Tuesday. Oturu also had a draft interview Thursday today with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Some draft prospects are waiting, like Sadiq Bey, somebody I like at pick 17. If the Wolves end up staying at pick 17 of Villanova, he has not started to do his draft interviews. I like Nico Mannion, especially if he gets to 33. The Arizona point guard, the Wolves have not connected with him yet. There's a few other guys. R.J. Hampton is another that's an intriguing name at pick 17. He, too, has not interviewed at least yet with the Wolves. Anthony Edwards has not interviewed yet with the Wolves. Some of the real top guys have not interviewed yet with the Wolves. But the Wolves are going to get, even if it's virtually, FaceTime with the top draft guys. They are in a position of power. Having pick one is a big deal. If the Wolves were at pick five, for example, do I think that they would get FaceTime with LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards? No, I don't. I just don't see that that would be a situation that would take place. But at pick one, there is, there is legitimacy in, in the idea of guys want to be pick one. Anthony Edwards would love to be pick one. I'm told LaMelo Ball would love to be pick one. So those guys are going to talk. To the wolves it's a matter of when not if but those interviews still need to be firmly scheduled briefly on the twins nelson cruz on sunday night baseball mentioned his hamstring bugging him the twins have said it's his knee i'm told if last night wednesday night was a playoff game then nelson cruz would have been in the lineup but to suggest that he's 100 would be asinine i fully expect him in the lineup at least once if not multiple times This weekend, the series against the Reds to get some tune-up at-bats in before next Tuesday. So the plan next Tuesday is for Nelson Cruz to be batting, what, probably third as the DH. So yeah, alarming that he's missed four consecutive days, that they had the off day Monday, then wasn't in the lineup Tuesday, not in the lineup Wednesday. But I'm told he should be fine unless there is some sort of setback. He should be back at some point this weekend, then in the lineup for game one, of the best of three, we are still awaiting the opponent, but the Twins in all likelihood will be at Target Field next Tuesday for game one of a best of three opening round series. Twins Instructionals will get rocking and rolling this weekend in Fort Myers. A number of guys, including a guy that will be on this podcast in a bit, Aaron Sabato and Matt Wallner, the pride of Forest Lake. Some of the Twins' top prospects are down there. Now Alex Kirilov is here in town. He's part of the 40-player pool Doesn't mean he'll be on the Twins playoff roster, but they kept him in town just in case. So Kirilov is not back in Fort Myers, but other top prospects are. They underwent COVID testing this week, then they will be on the field starting this weekend. I'll save some other notes for a different podcast because I want to get these conversations going so I can get to my son's baseball practice. Let me start with Sachin Gupta, vice president with the Wolves, had a chance. He was in the mix for the Sacramento Kings. I don't know what they what they termed it. Is it president of operations? But running the King's front office. He interviewed with the Kings. He was right there until the end. He's only, what, thirty-eight years old? He's going to get a chance eventually to to run his own front office. So the Wolves are fortunate to be able to keep him that he doesn't get the King's job. He is heavily, heavily invested in Wolves' trade possibilities, the draft and everything that Gerson Rosas is doing leading. The Wolves' front office. By the way, David Vantrepool likely is not advancing to the second round of Pacers interviews. I'm told his initial Pacers interview went well. I think Vantrepool, like Gupta, Vantrepool, it's when, not if, he'll be an NBA head coach. I just don't know if it'll be this particular offseason. It's when, not if, that Sachin Gupta will get a chance to run an NBA front office. He created the ESPN trade machine. I'm telling you, He is beloved over there at Mayo Clinic Square. Like, everybody loves him. He came from the Pistons organization. He's worked also in Philadelphia and Houston, and he's not even 40 years old. So he is a big-time asset for the Wolves. I had a chance to chat with Sachin the other day. Here is my conversation this week with Sachin Gupta. Sachin, let's go back to about 12, 13, 14 months ago. You made the decision to leave Detroit come here? In hindsight, as you look back at that decision, about the best decision, everything you've experienced the, la- the last year plus, about the best de- decision you could have made?
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. And I I knew Gerson for a long time. I've worked with him in the past. I've worked closely with him hand in hand. And so I knew, I knew what I was walking into there, uh, just the way he thinks about the game, his... Uh, his modern approach to uh, to roster building and to collaboration, um, you know, Gerson comes from the the scouting side. I I came from the analytics side, um, but but we've we've always collaborated so well together. And uh, so I was I, I knew what I was walking into there. What what I didn't know was uh, was on the other hand, the, the the rest of the crew that we have here with uh, with Coach Saunders and. Uh, again, the alignment and collaboration is is unlike anything I've seen. Uh, the, the partnership that he and Gerson have and uh, the really the relationship that he and I have have built over the past year plus uh, has been really special to me and um, makes me really excited about. I mean um, you've
0: both. seen a lot such and I mean you know in Houston, you know that's where, where you know Gerson from in Philly, in Detroit so I mean you've been around a lot. But the collaboration you guys have here I mean it's unlike anything you've experienced in your three previous stops
1: absolutely in in uh, all those sp- spots have been uh, have been amazing i I've loved my time there I've loved everyone who I've worked with uh, but but there is something different here that there, there's the 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 alignment in the culture um, which isn't it, it isn't random. It's uh, you know it's something that's important to Gerson and to Ryan, and it, and it you can really feel it, and it's um it, it is very different. I think often you find that there are sort of these invisible lines that shouldn't be crossed, um, but th- those don't exist here. And for me, you know, it's I walk into to film room with coaches and players and. No one bats an eye. It's it's normal, and you know, not just for me, anyone in our front office. It's it's a very open environment. Whether uh, it's it's us being at practice, being in film, or coaches being part of our draft process or free agent and trade discussions, uh, we're we're just one group that's aligned towards towards a common goal.
0: How do you pick your spots when to raise your hand and, and voice an opinion, especially if you're in the film room? Like, is Ryan open-minded to something like that? Is Coach Vanterpool, is Pablo, or those guys open-minded if, if you have a suggestion in that regard?
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that I would necessarily um, sort of jump in in that exact environment, but for sure those guys are, are so open-minded and, um, you know, but, but those would probably be conversations I would have behind the scenes, um, you know, one-on-one with Ryan or with Pablo or uh, with Coach Vanterpool. Um, but for for sure, there there's such an open mindedness, and uh, we have someone on our analytics staff who's essentially part of the coaching staff, uh, and you know they, they they the the influence that he's able to have and the voice that he's able to have is really pretty incredible, and that's not uh, it's a credit to him, but it's more so a credit to to Ryan and the coaching staff for how they welcome him and treat him and honestly listen to. to to the input that he has and incorporate incorporate it into their own decision making and practice plans and strategies and schemes. It's it's pretty special.
0: All right. So before you joined an MBA franchise, I mean, we laid out where you've been in terms of your MBA stops, but you were at ESPN and prior to that, so you graduated from MIT. So you went from MIT, graduated from MIT and, and started to work for ESPN immediately?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I, I studied computer science at MIT um, and at that time wanted to uh, find a way to combine my passion with sports uh, with, with what I was studying and I was really fortunate. Uh, I, I got an internship at ESPN.com uh, while I was an undergrad uh, and I ended up working there full time uh, as a software engineer and uh, the, the way it works there, we sort of divided up the sports in our group and uh, I was fortunate to, to be the basketball guy. And so uh, I worked closely with the NBA editors with uh, Chris Ramsey, uh, uh, who's a, the son of Dr. Jack. Um, he, was, he was heading up the NBA editorial at that time. And we built a great relationship. And uh, among a few different things, uh, one project we worked on was the NBA Trade Machine. Uh, he came to me with the idea and um, we sort of ran with it together and uh, didn't realize what it would become uh, but it was it was great fun, and I didn't realize at the time that that would sort of end up becoming a big part of my job years later, just having learned uh I had to learn the rules of the c b a to 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 build that and um that's <laughs> very central to to what I do now which is which is interesting
0: yeah i mean I think everybody sort of knows you anybody that follows basketball knows you from the trade machine. I almost wonder if it's almost just. Uh, lack of a better word, maybe nauseating, that, that there's so much more to you and your background, yet a lot of people just pigeonhole you such into to the guy that created the trade machine.
1: Yeah, th- there are worse things. Um, so I, I get that. But uh, but no, it's been, you know, th- that was sort of my way to get in and um, working, you know, as you said, b- I've been at s- several teams over the years and working with with great people like Gerson um, and learning from all these different areas, you know, learning scouting, learning um, the, from the coaching perspective, from uh, you know the performance department and medical. I, over all these years, I've been able to to learn a lot from all those different places, and um, you know, help help our groups uh, come to the best decisions I can.
0: So, if you don't go the MBA route, like was was basketball always your passion, like? At ESPN.com, could you have gone the Major League Baseball route, or you name the professional sport that if you don't go the NBA route, who knows if if we're talking to you right now is one of the the brain wizards of the Wolf's front office?
1: Um, yeah, I, I you know I I, lo- I love all sports, uh, but ba- basketball was was always my passion, and um, you know I'm really fortunate that that it worked out here uh, at, at that time. Uh, baseball was, was sort of the, the early leader in the analytics movement. Um, so yeah, it easily could have gone that way, but, um, yeah, I was fortunate that, that the movement started in basketball right around that time. And I was early to, to catch on that early wave and, um, and, and, and be in this position now.
0: Am I correct in terms of, of your guys' analytics department? It's going through some, some change right now. And you guys brought in somebody from, from 24 seven
1: uh so so we brought in uh so so yes and that's less so the analytics department that's more the scouting department okay uh, yeah so J- josh uh, gershon uh we brought in um yeah we think he'll he'll be a tremendous help to our our scouting group um he's a, a grassroots expert um and we're, we're excited for how he can help us you know with our upcoming decisions in this draft and and also very much for for future drafts also
0: on gershon i saw that that Anthony Edwards is his guy. So is it a done deal? You bring him aboard, Anthony Edwards is going to be the number
1: one pick. No, we, no we've, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. We've got a lot of work ahead
0: of us. I mean, on that, I mean, where, where are things at in terms of, you know, draft prep? I mean, heck you've had a really long time. And now you recently found out, right, that the draft goes from what October 16th to, to November 18th. So that gives you yet another month to, to do some deep diving.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been good for us. Um, you know, we we are relatively new. Um, you know, we're we're a year into year two of our regime now, and um, you know, with with new changes uh, like the addition of Josh, and you know, we're we're still getting our processes in place and and creating new processes, and so I, I think the the additional time is is great for us, and in whatever way we're maybe lacking information that we would have normally in a normal draft process, I think we're making up for that with the additional time and um, the additional study and looking at things inside and out every which way that we can and, um, you know, tr- trying to get access to more information and, and more data sets uh, to, to to make the best decision that we can.
0: Are there still some kids that you want to interview? I mean, I know you've interviewed a lot of kids so far, but are there still some guys, especially some of the upper echelon guys like, Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you guys have interviewed Anthony Edwards yet. So there's still some guys that, that you do wanna sit down with and, and do one of these Zoom chats with.
1: You, absolutely, yeah, we're, we're still working through the process. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's still quite a bit of work to be done. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with what we've been able to accomplish uh, thus far. And, um, but yeah, I think we're, we're right on track and, and excited for, uh, for, for what we can do. Um, And it's and it's not just limited to the draft. Also, I mean, there's, there's so many possibilities for us with with trade and trade backs and uh, trade outs. Um, And, you know, of course, of course, free agency as well. Um, So it's there, there's, there's a lot on our plate. And uh, again, that I think that this additional time was will be valuable for us, Uh, you know, in, in a normal year, it's, it's it's so rushed with the free agency coming just days after the draft, which comes just days after the season. And uh, so we're, we're gonna take advantage of this time for sure.
0: On the trading back or, or trading out options, I mean, how much of it is just internal dialogue right now compared to you guys are grinding, whether it's sending text messages to other league executives or hopping on the phone, you know, starting that, that external trade dialogue?
1: Um, I, th- I think at this point, it, it's still, Largely internal, um, but uh, I'm sure things will start heating up here. Uh, You know that with, you know, as you said, the the draft getting pushed back again. I think um, just with uh, with with a lack of clarity, um, you know, I I think things still aren't in in uh, 100% high gear yet, but um, but I'm sure they will be soon.
0: Sachin, is there a particular strength or two of, of this draft? Like I had a, a Western Conference executive tell me that, that he feels like there's not a lot of difference between maybe picks 15 and 40, which isn't a bad thing for you guys, Pick picking at 17 and 33, that, that maybe there's not that upper echelon, there's not a Zion Williamson, or maybe even a John Morant, or clearly not a LeBron, or a Carl Anthony Towns type at, at the very top, but, but that there's depth in the middle of this draft. Would, would you agree with that assess, assessment, or is there another particular strength or two that, that sticks out to you?
1: Yeah, I, I think I, you know, every draft is, uh, it's, it's hard to predict. Um, you know, if, if it was easy, then, uh, you know, MVPs wouldn't be picked at 15. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think, I think it's hard to predict and and we're going to make, uh, make the best decision that we can with, with the information that we have. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think what one positive is sort of having picks, you know, obviously at one and then, you know, in the middle of the first 17 and then early in the second at 33 really gives us uh, access to, to the, the whole range of, of prospects there. I think oftentimes, um, you know, if, if you're out of the range of some prospects, you may not uh, get access to, to some, some information and so. Uh, I think we're we're in a pretty good position sort of covering covering the whole gamut there.
0: Is one logical possibility trying to acquire a pick in next year's draft with with your pick? what is it only top three protected mm-hmm. from the d'Angelo Russell trade? So I mean there's there's a relatively good chance that that you don't have a first round pick in the 2021 draft. Is that a logical goal that if you end up making some sort of transaction that that at least some of the return, is is maybe a first round pick next year?
1: Um it, it's 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 sure it's a factor. Um, you know, what we'll, we'll be we'll be looking at, at at all possibilities. Um and you know, it's it's all about what what's gonna make us better, not just to tomorrow, but but for the next um, you know, for years to come for the next three or year, five years. And and Gersow says it, you know, these draft decisions aren't Aren't about um, tomorrow. It's it's a it's a three to four year decision, and so, um, you know, I, I don't think we'll be overly focused on you know that solely, but um, you know, sure it's a factor. And uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll be diligent and looking at all the options.
0: How far do you think, such and that you guys are from from that upper, that that top eight of the Western Conference? I mean, the West is is so deep. It's it's not going to slow down when. Whenever next season starts, it sounds like maybe January at the earliest at this point. I saw that that Commissioner Silver was on CNN earlier today with Bob Costas. He mentioned it sounds like January at the earliest. But whenever next season starts, the West is still going to be incredibly deep. I mean, do you feel like with, with a move or two, with the core of D'Angelo, you know, presumably you find a way to bring Malik Beasley back, Carl Anthony Towns, and, and everybody else that slots in with, with a move or two that you guys can enter that top eight?
1: Yeah, it's the the West is, is, is uh, it's tough. It's tough. There's, there's so many quality teams in the West and uh, we'll have our work cut out for us. Uh, but yeah, we, we feel good about, about the young group that we have. And uh, it's again, with, with all of our decisions, it's we, we come in with a long-term view and it's not just about maximizing what we can be next year. It's about maximizing what we can be over the next several years. And, um, with Carl and D'Angelo, uh, we've we've got an exciting young core, and we we want to continue to to take steps. Uh, you know, it's not about um, making a big jump next year and then falling back to, the year after. We, we want to continue making steps uh, to to build towards the 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 highest ceiling that we can have uh, into the future.
0: How much are you looking forward to? I saw Monday is the first day that that you guys will technically scrimmage to see D'Angelo and Carl play some five on five.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, that, that's another factor too. And all of this, you know, we, we changed over the roster at, at the trade deadline and, um, you know, we, di- we didn't have uh, much opportunity to, to see what it all looks like together. And so, um, you know, having this additional time to, to evaluate and to build chemistry is, is really important for us uh, as, we, as we enter uh, the draft and free agency period.
0: On trade possibilities, is there any such thing as as a dumb trade proposal, like, or is the theory that you throw something out and and if the other team says no, hey, that's that's the worst that can happen, but like literally, there's nothing that's that's ridiculous to throw out there.
1: Um, yeah, I think that's fair, uh, but you know, th- these are th- this is a repeated game. You know, th- these are uh, this league is very relationship based, and um, you know it. it you don't want to, you don't want to, um, you know, make enemies or, um, you know, to, to make, uh, make offers that, that might, um, cause someone to not want to call you back again. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to, to sort of, um, you know, to sort, sort of, uh, have respect for 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 your counterparts and and, uh, and be reasonable. But um, but no, in general, you know, there there are lots of folks around the league that you have relationships with where you, where you can't throw things against the wall and you know it's it's um and, and that's often uh, the way you, you get to actual deals is when there's that that, that comfort and that trust where you can um, sort sort of just come up with ideas freely. How much of the
0: next few weeks, the the bubble, I mean, you're talking to us now from from your hotel room in downtown Minneapolis, how much of the next few weeks is as much about team chemistry and team bonding as it is actually getting work in on the court? Because like a lot of these guys are still getting to know each other in so many different ways. So like, are you guys doing some team dinners? I mean, you guys are doing the the daily COVID testing, right? So everybody, as long as you guys are together, you know that, that you guys are all you know, coronavirus-free. So, are you guys doing some team dinners and and some other bonding activities?
1: Yeah, you're a hundred percent spot on. It's 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 just as important as as the on-court work is is building that chemistry and uh, the camaraderie and in that culture with with a group of of players uh, and staff that uh, unfortunately you know haven't had as much time together as as we'd like. Um, and yeah, that's certainly a focus, uh, for us during this period, for sure.
0: Anything jumped out and I'll let you go after a few more. Anything jump out from, from the workouts with guys being in Mayo Clinic Square the last handful of months? Like I saw some Instagram video where it looks like Jared Culver has, has he's, he's altered his shot, which I think was necessary, but it looks like his, his shot mechanics are, are different. Like, is that something that jumps out? Anything else that jumps out to you from, from guys being in the gym the last handful of months?
1: yeah yeah for sure that 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 is a big one that's that's something that uh that he's been working on and that um that that our coach has been working with uh working with him on closely um but it's it's just been it's been great to to have to have everyone back in minnesota and um to you know i i think to at some point um you know the the one on oh workouts um are uh, are less exciting, and so so everyone's really jazzed up for these group workouts. But it's been great to have everyone back for these one-on-one workouts and uh, working so diligently on on their games and on development, um, and also being able to enjoy our wonderful Minnesota summers and and spend time together and um, and you know go for runs around the lake and and uh, just to try to build that that camaraderie. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's you know we've it's obviously been a, a top situation, but I think we've made the best of it.
0: Do the Lakers win the championship, or would you take somebody else?
1: Um, yeah, Le- LeBron's looking pretty strong uh, at this point, but um, we'll see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be hard to bet against them, especially after a d makes makes the, the shot at the buzzer the other night. I just, you know, Denver's come back from 3-1 deficit, so them being down a couple games, you know, they're 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 not in foreign territory, but I just don't know at this point how how you would bet against the the Lakers. Okay, I'll hit you with with two more so Sachin, you didn't. Oh. Did I lose you there? I still have you. Yep. No problem. Yep, I still got you. So, it was it was out there that they, you interviewed for the Sacramento job. Just how grateful are you that that you had a chance to go through that interview process, I mean, you know, you've mentioned Gerson a few times. I mean, Gerson, right? I mean, an he went through a, a number of interviews before he landed this job, and, and he took that job in Dallas for a little bit. But he interviewed for a number of jobs. Like, I have to imagine going through the process was incredibly valuable for when he nailed his interview here. Like, I'm not quite sure. Between us, like, I don't know if I would have made him the betting favorite heading into the race last year. Like, I might have made Chauncey Billups or Calvin Booth the betting favorite. But – but Gerson nailed his interview. He just, he knocked it out of the park. Like after his interview, I was told it was, it was a slam dunk. Like it was a no brainer. Like, this is our guy. It was a blowout after his interview. So like how grateful are you that you had a chance to go through the process?
1: Oh, absolutely. It was, it was, uh, you know, that, that's the right word. I'm just, I'm grateful to, to have had the chance to go through the process uh, which was my first time. And it was a great learning experience and uh, built, built lots of great new relationships through that process. And even more so uh, just the how supportive Gerson was and Ryan was and and the whole organization was, was, was uh, just just meant meant so much to me uh, throughout that whole process. And uh, it makes me so excited to, to be back here and to to uh, dive right back in and, and, and be here in the bubble with everyone and, and get to work, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm grateful for for that opportunity and um, and yeah, I'm just I'm um, I'm happy to to refocus on on what we have here and, and and doing something special here.
0: I saw a tweet from from Dave Carmichael, who does a great job covering the the Sacramento Kings. He's a he's a Sacramento media personality. Yeah. That you found out his his cell phone number. That you called him to thank him for for his support. I don't know how vocal he was in, in supporting your candidacy and and hoping that that you got that King's job, but, but he tweeted that, that you called him like where, where such, and where, where does that niceness come from? Because that's, you know, just covering the league enough over, over the last handful of years, that's, that's not the norm.
1: (laughs) Uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I just, I had, I had a great experience through the whole process and, um, you know, I just I I was appreciative of it and just wanted to to show that and, um, and you know I I I'm, uh you know I, I think they, they made a great hire with with Monty McNair, who who is someone I've I worked with and, and close with and um you know I just wanted uh, the support that I received to to be shared with him, um but uh, you know it's it's like I said I, I don't take anything negative, negative at all from the the whole process. It was, it was just such a great experience for me and um, just wanted to, to repay, repay that forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, is there something to be said about, you know, just treat others as, as you want to be treated and, and Dave was, was vocal supporting you. So, you know, I mean, the least you could have done is, you know, take five minutes, call him on the phone and thank him for that. But I'm just saying such, and that's just, that doesn't sound normal. Like, you know like you know the league enough like that just doesn't happen (laughs)
1: um yeah yeah it was and it wasn't calculated or anything i just it i just felt i felt the need to do that and i did it um but um no and, and it's and it's not even treat others the way that you want to be treated it's it's the way i have been treated and um so i yeah i just i felt Felt so much support, uh, from so many different places throughout the whole process, and um, you know that was that was the least I could do.
0: Suchin, thank you for doing this. I, I I firmly believe that that good things happen to good people. So if you want to be here for the next ten or twenty years, thirty years, I, I have a feeling it'll work out. If if you want to run your own show, I have no doubt in my mind that 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 day will will happen. It'll be a when, not if. Who knows if it's in a year, two years, three years, four years, but but that it'll happen. So thank you for doing this.
1: I appreciate that Darren it means a lot.
0: Wolves VP Sachin Gupta. The Wolves are very very lucky to have him. Stops in Philadelphia and in Houston, and in Detroit, knowing Ed Stefanski in Detroit, others with the Pistons, you know, Dwayne Casey's been on the podcast, Sean Sweeney's in Detroit. Like, I've heard so many good things about Sachin, and then you talk to Wolves people, they will tell you he's got a heart of gold. He's got a mind that just it never stops thinking. He throws out a lot of different trade possibilities, so he is a wonderful resource as this offseason continues for the Wolves, the longest offseason that the franchise likely will ever indoor he's one heck of an asset for that wolves franchise i asked him about cat and scrimmages next week again i guess i would be surprised at this point if cat ends up doing anything in terms of you know running up and down you know hardcore five on five I will say that as of the taping of this podcast on Thursday a few hours ago there are no definitive plans for the Wolves to stream those scrimmages like how cool would it be as a fan as a media person to be able to watch those scrimmages next week again the first one on Monday but right now it was something that I was told they are still looking into so I guess I wouldn't say you know never say never you know no chance but at this point there are just there are no definitive plans to stream those scrimmages All right, let me now transition to my conversation from earlier today with Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, his wife Caitlin, the Thielen Foundation, making a large donation, over $75,000 to benefit many youth athletes here in the Twin Cities. They've given back so much over the last couple years through the Thielen Foundation. So we talked Thielen Foundation, then we talked a little bit of football. Here's my conversation from earlier on Thursday with Adam Thielen of the Vikings. All right, Adam, even during a pandemic, heck, multiple pandemics, your foundation, you, your wife, others have found a way to give back. Tell us about your most recent donation. Yeah,
2: just trying to, um, you know, continue to to do our part and to try to give back to this community. Again, that has done so much for us. Obviously, with everything going on, it makes it more difficult, but um, uh, we feel that, that that there's even more need now. So, um, excited to be able to do that and and still be able to do it safely and within um, you know the guidelines of, of what we can and can't do. So um, we were able to get a bunch of kids uh, from North Minneapolis uh, football players, um, 12 to 14 year olds, uh, into Shields and Shields did a great job of hosting us and and giving those uh, kids some gift cards to be able to go shop and uh, get some things that they need to uh, to help them you know play and and uh, have fun. So. Uh, it was it was a really, uh, really cool experience to kind of hang out with them and um, and just to go see them kind of shop around. We kind of had to be from afar, but it was still good. On the fun part, Adam,
0: I mean, I imagine a lot of those 12 to 14-year-olds, if not all of them, are, are doing distant learning. Or even if it's hybrid, they're only in school maybe two days a week. So being able to be on the field, social interaction, hanging out with their friends, albeit, yeah, in a, in a safe way, in a safe environment, but that's incredibly important.
2: Yeah, I mean, just being able to talk with uh, with their coaches, these these uh, men who have been doing it for a long time and um, and really just giving, donating their time to to create those opportunities for these kids to just be able to get outside and play. And uh, in a, in this time, this uh, with everything going on more than ever, it's important to still have that social re- interaction, like you said, and to be able to just go play with your friends and uh, get outside and and be able to do do the things that you really enjoy doing so. Um, it was really fun to be able to talk with those coaches and just kind of hear what what they're doing in their community. Um, you know, they they have their kids every Saturday morning do an hour of, of community service within their community in North in North Minneapolis. So um, they're doing some just really amazing things, and and those are the type of people that we want to um, you know help support and and you know kind of be there alongside of with and with our with my wife and I and, and our foundation. We were there last
0: year, you know, when when. Times were normal at Brooklyn Center High School when you helped out the athletes at Brooklyn Center. You found a way to help out a, another group of, of high school athletes with with Robbinsdale Cooper.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we, we knew that when we started this at Brooklyn Center, we knew that we we were, we were really trying to you know, um, you know, have it be successful and do it right um, so we could kind of implement that in, in other areas of uh, that need that help and that support and and those resources, things like that. So. Um, again, just uh, being able to partner with people that we feel are are really committing their time and and efforts to help youth and help them uh, become the best uh, people for this community they can be. And and uh, that that was what what Cooper's coaches really embody. So I'm um, excited to be able to help out there um, and to commit to um, really helping those 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 youth in their sports. Um, have the resources and opportunities to make them excited about uh, doing those after-school activities and to, and to uh, you know, and perform well in school so they can do those and and have the resources to do that. So really excited about that.
0: The head coach at Cooper is a former Viking, Willie Howard. I saw some photos that that you had a chance, masks and everything, but you had a chance to interact with Willie. Did did his history with the Vikings come up? I mean, just an interesting connection there.
2: It did. Yeah. And uh, I I didn't, I didn't realize that, but uh, what a, what a great man, Uh, again, uh, just, just what he's able to do in that community um, to mentor these kids, to support them, to um, really just giving up his time and his efforts to, to make this, uh, you know, make that community a better place. So uh, again, those are the people that we want to partner with and to really support and help um you know and uh again just a really great conversation with him and his coaches and uh really makes you more excited to 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 give and and to you know to donate your time as well
0: to get a $75,000 donation to be able to spread it out to Cooper to Northside Impact to Urban Ventures I mean it takes it takes a lot of people I mean it's not just you and your wife how many other people deserve love for for getting this off the ground
2: well well you know first of all Luke and Amy in um, all they do for uh, running our foundation. You know, when, when my wife and I are busy with the season and all of that, you know, they're, they're on the ground running. Uh, we kind of usually just give them a direction of where we want to, um, you know, you know kind of how we want the, the, the foundation to go and they kind of go out and do the groundwork. And then uh, we get to kind of connect after that and, and find, you know, the perfect fits for, for us as a, our family and our foundation. And, and, you know, they just do a phenomenal job. We're, we're so thankful for them uh and then just all the people that have supported our foundation over the last few years it's just um it's been amazing uh the people that are just buying into really helping this community and and really the community that that needs it most Uh, that's what we're excited about you know and and uh, you know with with underprivileged youth that that just don't have those resources opportunities with mental health that uh that get overlooked a lot of 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 that especially in youth so um it's been it's been great and we're excited to to connect with more people, uh, whether to make a bigger impact or, or to find more uh, places that, that, that are in need of, of, of our help and our foundation's help.
0: What sort of challenges are there right now, though, in terms of, of connecting with more people? Like I think about the great event that we were at last year at Top Golf, like an event like that, clearly right in the coronavirus pandemic, we, we can't have an event like that. So what sorts of challenges exist?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit harder to get our our message out of of what we're trying to, you know, do in the community uh, to to raise funds for those, um, you know, for those opportunities that that we have to um, uh, give back. And uh, so it it definitely creates challenges, but there's also another side of it where you got to be creative and um, it also gives you time to really solidify these these relationships and um, to find, you know, really good fits. Um, that really need our help. and uh, so that's that's kind of what what our goal is right now and 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 luckily thank the Lord we've we've had um, we've been able to raise a lot the last few years that we we have some funds to be able to to divvy out. So um, yes, there's challenges and 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 all that, but it, it's definitely been a blessing as far as uh, being able to hone in and and, uh, and to be able to d- diversify some some funds.
0: Adam, when did you realize that, that you had this incredible platform and you needed to use this incredible platform for for others? It's just not about you, that, that there's so much more in life and, and so many more people need help. I mean, and I guess who who instilled those sorts of beliefs in you going back many, many years? Maybe it's way back to, to the youth in, in Detroit. Like, But who who helped instill those beliefs in you that, that, that helping others is the way to go?
2: yeah i mean i think my wife and i we have we have great role models in our in our parents and and how they um you know were donated their time and and financially you know all the way growing up um and and for people in our area that that needed help and then uh on top of that you you come here as a rookie and you see a lot of different guys giving back and um having foundations and and uh, really making a huge impact and 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 still are making a huge impact in this community so um you know definitely got to see that which was really cool and then um just uh you know my wife and i is faith just knowing that uh god you know kind of put us here uh to for a reason to give back and and to sh- you know share his love and and to um you know financially he's, he's given us uh, a lot to be able to give to others not to just hold to ourselves and and to you know and sit in a bank account so uh for us we just feel very blessed and we feel like because of that blessing that we we need to do our part now and, and and give to others as well.
0: On the football side, as a team leader, how do, how do you ensure that the team morale stays high in the locker room?
2: Well, you lead by example. You go out there and you bust your tail every single day. Uh, you don't walk around the building with your head down. You you, you walk around with a smile on your face and uh, and you hold yourself accountable. I mean, you, you, at the end of the day, it's, it's easy to point fingers, but uh, you gotta look yourself in the mirror I say this, uh, I said this earlier this week, you got to look yourself in the mirror. You got to figure out how you could be a better leader, uh, a better player on the field and, and how you can perform better. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of my mindset going into this week. And and uh, again, you know, when you come off of a loss or a couple tough losses, the, 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 the only thing you want to do is get back out on that field and, and go play football again. Is
0: it weird that you're now one of the oldest players in the locker room? You guys have the second youngest roster in the NFC, so many young guys. I mean, you're not an old man, but, but compared to, to your teammates, you're one of the older guys in that locker room.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely uh, different. Um, and, and it's something that I need to probably do a better job of is of, is of using my um, experience um, and using my uh, you know, the things I've seen over the years, um, whether it be how we started or how we finished or, um, you know, just different things to be able to insight, to give insight to these young guys of, of that haven't really been through it. You know, in, in college, they probably had a lot of success as a team and uh, individually and, and probably hadn't been through, um, you know, some tough times. But when you're in the NFL, you, you have these. I mean, it, it, it's going to happen. And so to be able to use that and, and just to share um, kind of some different experiences and, and uh, it's definitely different. So I got to be better at that. Confident
0: that you guys will regain your mojo Sunday. I mean, I know we're talking here Thursday morning, so there's still a couple of days of prep to go. But but confident that we'll see a different Vikings team and offense on Sunday.
2: I would hope so. I mean, I think that's 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 what we're looking for. You know, we we don't go out there on Sunday to just go through the motions and 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 show up again on Monday and and be disappointed and and go through a whole another week like that. You know, we we we're excited for the opportunity to go prove that that's not us. And that's really all it is. You get 16 opportunities uh, each year to show who you are as a, as an individual, who you are as a team, and uh, you know how you respond to to tough times is 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 a really good implication of of, of how how good of uh, leaders you have on your team. Uh, what kind of what kind of guys do you have on your team? Do you have men that kind of suck up and they and they go to work every single day and they they do what it takes to get better, or are you gonna have a bunch of guys that sulk and and uh, want people to feel bad. So that's kind of what we're, we're figuring out right now. Uh, luckily, we have a lot of great guys in this team and and, um, and, and just a lot of guys that want to fight and, and scratch and, and, and do whatever it takes to, to help this team be successful.
0: Last one, I was in the gym with, with Ryan and, and Rashad Bateman recently before Rashad decided to, to rejoin the Gophers. but But he gushed about being able to spend some time with you, even going back multiple months, you know, just being able to interact with you. How special of a of a young man, a player, is Rashad? How excited should Gophers fans be at the at the prospect of, of him hopefully being able to rejoin the Gophers?
2: Well, he's a, he's a, you know there's a few things. Number one, he's a tremendous football player. I got to see him uh, kind of work you know you uh, know right there and firsthand and and see the way that he can run routes and catch the football and you know he's a total package. And uh, and then the other side of that, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a fun guy to be around. Uh, very soft spoken and just. Uh, just wants to be great. You know, he wants to soak up knowledge and he wants to soak up, uh, ask questions and and uh, talk about uh, certain things. He watches a ton of film of of NFL receivers, and uh, so it's just been really fun to get to know him and to be around him and wishing him nothing but the best.
0: And is it cool? I mean, that particular day, like Alex Stalock was was in your gym, uh, Jake Gensel was in your gym. I mean of the, the sports fraternity here in town. I mean, it doesn't matter what sport you guys play, but the pro sports fraternity, it seems like a lot of you guys have a close bond.
2: Yeah, we really enjoy that part, you know, uh, to be able to meet these guys from other sports, um, other leagues, um, you know, guys from here, maybe not from here, maybe play here, uh, things like that. Um, it's really fun to get to know them, you know, really understand what makes them good, you know, and and, and how do they do things, and, and you might be able to use those things for your sports. So, uh, it's been really fun to, to be around those guys and, and to, to, to watch them play as well. When you're around those guys and you see them work and then uh, you get to cheer for them when they're when they're in their sport. So it's really fun uh, and, and it's been really cool to get to know those guys.
0: Adam, thank you. Thank you to you and your wife for, for doing all that you do in terms
2: of giving back. I appreciate it.
0: Mike Hughes and Cam Dantzler missing practice time yet again on Thursday. No Anthony Barr, no Daniil Hunter. How are the Titans only a two-and-a-half-point favorite? The last I checked, I guess I haven't checked all day today, but the last I heard was the Titans are a two-and-a-half-point favorite on Sunday. That line is baffling, not to suggest that the Vikings can't win the game, but just in terms of trying to get even money on both sides and collecting the juice, I'm just I'm baffled how – how that line is set, but hey, those guys are great at what they do. Those who set those lines, but I just that's a head scratcher to me much like opening week when the Vikings were favored over Green Bay I brought that up on this podcast in a question to to Mike Lombardi. I'm just baffled. I just don't get it. How How is Tennessee only a two and a half point favorite more like five six like to me it should be almost double what it is. So, all right. We are done scoop podcast episode three hundred and fifteen is in the books. Stay sane, stay safe.